learn about prayer, how to pray effectively, how to pray powerfully, how to pray in such a way that prayer becomes a joy, not a chore, that prayer becomes something that you enjoy and look forward to, not something that you dread and think, well, I just have to do it. I think that the great key to successful prayer, the great key to a great prayer life is the fact that we get results. Prayer without results is very frustrating. Prayer without results is something we don't want. But yet many Christians, of course, pray and pray and pray with little to no results. That's not the will of God. In the book of St. John, chapter 15, John chapter 15, and verse number 7, Jesus gave us these words. He said, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye or you will, and it shall be done unto you. Notice in this verse that Jesus uses ye, or some form of you as we would call it, one, two, three, four, five times, and mentions himself once. Now, abiding in him is really, really easy in the sense that he did all of the work for us to receive him and to be born again, to become a Christian, and that's what abiding in him is. Are you saved tonight? Well, then you're abiding in him. But that's not enough. It is essential, but not sufficient. It is essential that we abide in him, but it's not sufficient that we just are saved in order to get your prayers answered. It is not automatic. Answered prayer only becomes automatic, if you want to use it in that term, when we pray correctly, when we pray in line with the Word and we pray in line with the Spirit. Now, the disciples asked Jesus over in the book of Luke, I think it's in chapter 11, isn't it? where the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Actually, verse 1 says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus immediately began to teach them how to pray. But this verse also signals to us that prayer is not something that you already know until you learn. In other words, it's like your multiplication tables. I don't know if they still teach them today or not. Uh, it seems that sometimes you go to places and they have a hard time making change and things like that. So I don't know exactly what they're teaching. I was never a great mathematician myself, but at least I can count. Praise the Lord. And I did learn my multiplication tables. But you know, until you learn them, you don't know them. If you've never learned that 4 times 4 is 16, then if somebody asks you, what's 4 times 4? You'll say, I don't know. Or you'll start taking off your shoes and socks and start counting, you know, something rather. You'll try to figure it out. Well, uh, prayer is the same way. If we're not taught how to pray, and if we're not willing to learn how to pray, then we'll never really learn how to pray successfully and powerfully. I think it's very important to note that these disciples did not ask Jesus, teach us how to preach. They didn't ask him, teach us how to cast out a devil, teach us how to work a miracle, teach us how to open a blinded eye, teach us how to multiply loaves and fishes, we're hungry. They didn't say any of that. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. I believe that those disciples 
as uh, unspiritual as they seem to be, at least in their beginning, and as, as uh, prone to putting their foot in their mouth as some of them were, I believe even in those early days they must have determined that there is a real connection between the ministry of Jesus, the power of God that comes through this great man of God, this Jesus who we know was the God-man. They must have made the connection that there was a connection between what he had and what he ministered and his prayer life. Over in the book of Acts, if you want to go there, for just a moment. Now I'm jumping around looking at lots of scripture. I've got so many things running through my, my mind that, uh, you know, this is probably not going to win me any awards as great sermon of the year, but I, I just got some stuff in my heart I need to get out and I want to uh, share with you on this great subject of prayer. Now in Acts chapter 6, the background here is that the church had grown considerably. There were now thousands of people in the Jerusalem church. And of course, when you get a great group of people together, there are at times problems. And it doesn't mean people are bad necessarily. They're just problems develop. And, and sometimes people uh, that, that are good in their heart maybe can make a mistake in the way they try to solve a problem. Well, in the early church here, there were some people complaining and, and they uh, were murmuring because they felt like that there was being some differences made between different groups of people and how that they were being taken care of by the church. And by the way, the reason the church was taking care of them is because there were no social safety nets. Uh, there, was, uh, there was a real problem in the early days of the church for a Jewish person that got saved. Number one, they were excommunicated from their synagogue. Families would disown them, would not want anything to do with them. <clears throat> and this was especially a problem for widows who had been dependent on families and dependent on the care of others. And so now the church, seeing their needs, seeing their plight, determined that they would take care of these uh, certain people that nobody else could take care of. And so in that process, there were some people who felt slighted and they began to complain. And so when the disciples, the church leaders, the 12 apostles actually, heard about it, verse 2 says, Then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason, or we might say today, it's not reasonable. It makes no sense that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now was Peter and, and John and James, were they too good to do it? No. Peter was a fisherman by trade. I mean, uh, I'm sure he had, uh, he had done some cooking in his time, prepared some fish on the fire. I'm sure that, uh, you know, having a family, he had a wife, he had a mother-in-law. He, he was, he was he, no doubt, he had served in some ways. So he wasn't saying this because um, he was, felt, or they felt too good to do it. But they saw that, it, there, that there was something else they needed to do, they were called to do, they were anointed to do, and if they didn't do it, there wasn't just somebody that could come in off the street and do it. You know, uh, I, I know that you know this probably, but it's important, I think, for us to understand that each and every one of us have a specific and unique place in the body of Christ. I can't do what you do just the way you do it. And there are things that you do that I cannot do. And there's probably some things that I can do that maybe you wouldn't necessarily know how to do. Or it wouldn't be easy for you to do at least. Well, that's what's going on here. They just recognized what they were called to do. 
and uh, the ministry was their calling, and uh, it takes some activity to be able to feed sheep. You can't do everything else in the world and then have a message from God for God's sheep. And so the disciples realized that. And so they said, this is something that needs to be done, but we're not the ones that need to be doing this. We should not leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, over this business of serving, over this business of making sure the widows don't starve, that their needs are met, and so on and so forth. And then they go on to say, verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually, everybody say continually, continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, I don't know about everybody else, but I do know that in my own life, over the years, this has developed as a reality to me, that the only way that I can minister effectively, the way that I know the Lord wants me to, the way that I should, is if that I am basically in a continual mode of communication with God and feeding on the Word. You cannot give what you don't have. Amen. And, and sometimes people think, well, that sounds like that would be a very easy and glamorous thing. Well, I just encourage you to try it for about three years and see if you're still as big as you are and have as much as you have. Because if, you don't, if you're not called to do it, it'll drive you nuts and you'll probably starve. Uh, but if you're called, if you're called, I'm being facetious, of course. But if you're called and you're faithful to the call, then God will meet every need you have. And your job will be done and it will, it will help other people do their job, and, and the body of Christ will come together. But I want you to notice, because I'm getting off my subject here, I want you to notice that they said we'll give ourselves continually to what? Prayer and the ministry of the Word. Dr. Fred Price, the late Fred Price, said some years ago concerning the ministry that they had, and if you know anything about the ministry there, it was just astounding. And the... Uh, you know, in South L.A., I mean, right in the middle of the ghetto, he built the Faith Dome. I mean, it was a tremendous testimony. That place is so big and such a landmark there that I don't know about now, but there was a time whenever that the uh, planes coming into LAX, that was one of the landmarks they'd use. As commercial pilots came into LAX, they would refer to the faith dome. That was one of the things that they could see visually in getting ready to land. Uh, and he made the statement. He said, every bit of this is a result of praying in tongues. And for him, he said, an hour a day praying in other tongues. Brother Hagin made a statement. Brother Hagin was one of, uh, of great inspiration to me in my life and ministry. And um, he made the statement that every major uh, you know, every, every, how did he say it? Every uh, major turning point, I'm not using the right words, I'm sure, but that's the, the idea. Breakthrough, I think that's the word he used. Every breakthrough in ministry that he had, even financial breakthroughs, was a result of extended times of praying in other tongues. Now, that's just one kind of prayer. That's just one kind of prayer. But it's powerful. It's powerful. And so, Effective prayer is knowing how to pray 
and also knowing what kind of prayer to use. Let's go over to the book of Ephesians for a minute in chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And the Apostle Paul here writes and he says uh, concerning the armor of God. And um, he ends up, and we'll start with verse 17. Of course, you know there are verses prior to it explaining other parts of the armor of God. But we'll start with verse 17 reading uh, down through verse 19. He says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always. Sounds a lot like Acts 6-4, doesn't it? Praying always with all prayer. All prayer. Now we would say today, and you might have a translation that alludes to this, a, a modern version or something, all manner or manners of prayer, all kinds of prayer. So there are different kinds of prayer that are appropriate for different situations. If I say sports, you understand what I'm talking about. You understand games, competition. You understand what sports is. But if I don't go any further, you have no idea. Are we talking about golf? Are we talking about bowling? Are we talking about tennis? Are we talking about football? Are we talking about hockey? Are we talking, what are we talking about? All those sports have different rules. I mean, all those sports have their own set of rules. You can't play a basketball game by baseball rules. And you can't play a hockey game with the rules of golf. And you see what happens in prayer with a lot of Christians is they don't differentiate between the different kinds of prayer and they don't know the rules that apply to those different kinds of prayer. And so therefore they are confused. And though they are sincere, they're not getting results. I want to tell you something. Sincerity is a virtue. It is extremely important. God doesn't want anybody to be deceptive. God doesn't want people to be two-faced. God doesn't want us to be duplicitous. But sincerity alone is not enough when it comes to prayer. you got to know how to sincerely pray according to the rules. There are certain ways to pray for your lost loved ones and family that will produce results. There are other ways you could pray and not ever get any results. There are certain ways to pray concerning um, our government and, and those in authority. And, and you've got to know about that. How do we do that? What does that entail? You, there are certain ways we pray about a petition for something we need or desire. You know, you may need money to pay your car payment. But you may also desire... Uh, maybe you, 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 your desire that you'd have a house to live in and not have to rent. You know, there, uh, how do you pray that kind of a prayer? Well, how do you do the prayer petition? Uh, what is the prayer of consecration? What kind of praying is that? Is it important that I consecrate myself regularly or did I just do that one time when I got saved? For me, that was in June of 1968. That's a long time ago. And did I just do that once and never do it again? Or do I need to continually pray the prayer of consecration? What, what is intercession? What is it? Does it benefit me or is it for the benefit of others? 
Is there anything to me wanting and desiring to pray for other people and make supplication for them? And is there a difference between that and the Holy Ghost leading me and guiding me and giving me what we sometimes call a burden of prayer that I need to pray through or pray until I'm finished, pray until I have results? You know, I just went over a list of all kinds of things, and all that's about prayer. All of that has to do with prayer. The more you know about prayer and pray, because there's another thing we need to be aware of. You can know lots of things about prayer, but unless you actually pray, you're not going to get results. You know, you can know how to drive, but until you get behind the wheel, you're not going anywhere. Some of you know how to bake a cake, but we're not going to have any cake here tonight because you didn't bake a cake and bring it to us. Not that you should have, but maybe the Lord's speaking to somebody. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's not what we know that we can do or we know how to do that's going to make the difference. It's what we know and put into practice. That's going to make the difference. And that's the way it is about prayer. We, we need to know about the different kinds of prayer. So Paul said, praying always with all kinds of prayer. And let me say something about praying always or as... Acts chapter 6 and verse 4 says, give ourselves continually to prayer. That doesn't mean that you have to stay on your knees 24-7 or all your waking hours. We know that's not possible. If you're driving down the road in your car, it's all right to pray. But please keep your eyes open. Please keep your eyes open. And if you're working around the house, you're doing something... You know, I've found one of the things that's really blessed me for many, many years, for decades actually, and helped me immensely in, in ministry more than, I can, than I, I'm sure that I even realize, is that I can either be doing one of two things or I can do a combination of both. I'm constantly being fed on the Word of God. I'm constantly hearing people preach and teach while I'm working. If I'm painting a wall or if I'm doing whatever, I'm listening usually, or either I am praying. Now, not every breath, not every moment, not all the time, but on a constant basis. There's a constant flow of communication because that's what prayer is. Prayer is communication. I shared last week, you know, that prayer is a transaction between earth and heaven. Number two, prayer is a communication and fellowship with God, our Heavenly Father. Number three, prayer is taking our place. And doing business as children of God on the earth. And our place is, at the, is at, uh, in the, seated with Christ in heavenly realms, of course. Number four, prayer is accessing our covenant and redemptive rights. And number five, prayer is making out the check that God guarantees. He's already signed it. You fill it in. That's what prayer is about. All those things and more. And I'll say this tonight. All power and all knowledge that we need and desire. All power. All things. All knowledge that you and I need and all things, all power and all knowledge that we desire is available through the channel of prayer. Learning to pray is more valuable than the college education. And we're not against education. Get all of it you can. Uh, get good education. Uh, that's all well and good. But I can tell you that you can have multiple degrees and still be broke. Just go out and you'll find them all over the world. But if you learn to pray and you learn to seek God and you learn how to listen and you learn how to be led by the Spirit of God, He will lead you to a place of blessing and increase 
and health and benefits that will be greater than you would have ever thought or ever imagined in the days that have passed by. And, and God is so good. He is so wonderful. I'm thinking about a testimony. I, I mentioned Brother Hagin a while ago. I'm thinking about a testimony of a man that he knew that became involved with his ministry and uh, <clears throat> was a great supporter of his ministry. And uh, his testimony, his story was that he took, uh, he took $300 and he began to listen primarily to a message that Brother Hagin used to teach called How to Train the Human Spirit. And he had these various points that he would go through about how to develop and to train the spirit of man. In other words, to, to, con to, to properly connect with the Holy Spirit and the Word and, and how to be led of the Lord and so forth. But anyway, over a period of time, that man took that, that principle and in seeking God, he turned $300. And this is not last year. This was like decades ago. He turned $300 into $30 million. $300 into $30 million. And he was uh, the first, I don't know if anybody's done it since, but he was the first person that ever got up in one of Brother Hagin's camp meetings, which was their biggest you know, meeting of the whole year. And he said, I'll match every dollar that comes in here. Um, and a uh, million dollars came in and he gave a million. Now there are lots of people, good people, that sincerely would love to be able to do that. But what they don't really want to do is that daily learning to communicate with God in such a way that you are able to hear God in the minor, even the minor details of life. That's why I say it's more valuable than a college education because you cannot educate yourself enough to know the future. But through prayer, God can reveal the future. And even if he doesn't reveal to you every single thing about the future, he can lead you to be positioned so that when the future becomes the present, you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And another thing, and this is important, it kind of builds on what Glenna said earlier, and we didn't, we didn't plan all this before we got here. I asked her to do the offering, had no idea she was going to tell all those stories about bats and snakes and everything else. <laughs> But you can see we survived. Hallelujah. But um, anyway, um, one of the things about hearing God in giving is because it's always a setup. It's always a setup. When God leads you specifically in a certain area of sowing, you can know that that's because he is planting a harvest on that seed. And most of the time, the harvests take a little while. And you see, because God sees the future and he sees ahead, he knows what I need to sow today so that two months from now or three years from now or a year from now or whatever, I, I, my harvest is prepared and I'm ready to collect it. I'm ready to reap it. I'm ready to take it in. And that's, that's the way this works. And it's supernatural. You don't get this by sitting around watching um, you know, Facebook garbage all day. The modern equivalent of the party line. You, you don't get this by watching game shows every night. Two or three hours of, you know, I don't know if Vanna White's still turning them numbers or whatever it is or not. I don't, whoever's doing that, and more power to them. I'm, I'm sure they've made some good money doing it. But it's not helped a whole lot of people except kill time. And I'm not saying never do it. I'm not saying it's a sin. Please don't misunderstand me. 
But there are times in life when we do need to pull away and we just need to focus on the things of God. We just need to focus on the things of God. You need to get clarity about His will and purpose. Everybody in the world needs to hear God about certain key issues because none of us, and I certainly include myself, none of us have enough sense to know, number one, who to marry. That went over big, didn't it? <laughs> you know, marriage is intended by God. It's a, it's, a, it's a leftover of paradise. I mean, man got through out of the garden, but he stayed married. And you can look at that either way you want to, but, <laughs> but I choose to look at it as a good thing. Amen. None of us have enough sense to know who to marry. God proved that when he made Eve for Adam. Well, you know what? If you're single and you want to get married someday, there is a somebody for you. My mother-in-law used to say, for every old pot, there's a lid. <laughs> <I've>... <laughs> That's what she used to say. But anyway, uh, we don't have enough sense to know who to marry. We don't have enough sense to know which church to go to. Well, these are all going over so big. But you know, people all the time, they make these crazy decisions. Well, you know, I'm just going to go because that's where grandma went. Or I'm going to go because it's close. I don't want to drive that far. I don't want to do this and that and the other. Well, you know, it's amazing how that being in the right place when there's a move of God can change your life forever. Or being in the right place when you are attacked by the devil in a major way and you've got a support system and you've got people pumping the word of God into you, people standing in faith, people praying in the Holy Ghost with you. It can make the difference between life and death. We don't really know what all to do with our money. I mean, you know, you, 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 can, you can have great advice, and, and, and that's good. I mean, get, get all the good advice you can. And, you know, good advisors and all the rest, all that's good. Isn't it, Jeremy? Praise the Lord. It's, it's, good, it's good business. It's fine. But there are situations and times when you have to make a decision. Do I buy or do I sell? Do I hold on? Do I pursue this or do I pursue that? Well, all of that information you get when you pray. You get when you pray. And God leads you and guides you and shows you. And, uh, you know, and one thing about prayer is prayer is not about us trying to talk God into what we want. Prayer is about us finding out what God wants. And we do that through the Word. And we, through that, we do that through the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. And then we pursue what we know to be the will of God. Now, some things are very general and, and not so specific. We know, for instance, that he says he wants us to prosper and be in health. That doesn't fill in all the blanks about what would I do specifically if I've got this X number of dollars I need to do something with. That doesn't necessarily answer the specific question of do I need to quit eating that or do I need to drink uh, you know, more coffee. Surely the Lord wouldn't tell you to drink less coffee. But... Uh, and I'm kidding, I'm kidding, don't write me any nasty notes, he might tell you not to. But uh, anyway, the specifics, that's what you pray until you find out. And don't, don't pray trying to twist God's arm into the answer you want. Now like I said, if you know it's his will, then you can pursue that. 
But if you're seeking guidance and direction, you want to find out what he wants because he knows what's best. He knows what's best. And there are times sometimes when we just want something to be a certain way. We want it to turn out a certain way. We want it to all work out this way. We've got it all figured out. And God did not institute that. And you're just going to frustrate yourself because one thing about God you need to learn is that you can beg and cry and squall and bawl all you want to and he's not going to change being God. And on those rare occasions when we are given choices and God tells us what's the best choice and then we don't choose the best, there's going to be a price to pay. You say, how do you know? Ask Israel when God said they don't need a king. It's not the best. Yeah, but we want a king. We want to be like all the other nations around about. God said, that's not who you need to be. <laughs> Excuse me. thought I was going to sneeze. I got cheated. Um, you know, but, but they, they persisted. And finally God told Samuel, he said, you know, I'm going to give him a king. He said, they've not rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me. And so, so from that point on, they were a nation with kings. From that point on, almost well within a very short period of time, trouble started. And they had mostly problems and little periods here and there of peace and tranquility. How could have all that mess been avoided if they'd just done what God wanted them to do? And I've been pastoring long enough to see people... And you knew that they were getting ready to make a mistake. And they just went ahead and did it anyway. And there's always a consequence. And it's not God's fault. It's just seed time and harvest. Amen. Amen, amen. This is good teaching better than your amening. Praise the Lord. So all power and all knowledge and everything that we need and desire that is keeping with a godly desire is available through the channel of prayer. Now, I said we was going to do Ephesians six seventeen through 19, and uh, I haven't finished that yet, so maybe we better do that before we go. I'll go ahead and reread verse 17, kind of get us back in the, in the uh, track where we were. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer, all manner of prayer, all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit... In the Spirit, everybody say, in the Spirit. Now, Paul wrote Ephesians. The Holy Ghost used him to write Ephesians. He used him to write Corinthians. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit inspired Jude to write the little book of Jude. And for the most part, praying in the Spirit refers to praying in other tongues. But we also understand this, and here's what I want you to see. You can pray under the anointing of the Spirit and it not be in tongues. You know, the, the, you can pray as we might say in the Spirit. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Well, he didn't mean by that that all he did was speak in tongues. He meant he was under the anointing. The Spirit of God was manifesting. And so I, I read verse 18 and I look at it in both ways. Praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And so I'm going to always seek to pray either in tongues or I'm going to seek to pray under the anointing of the Spirit. Sometimes we try to get anointed for our purpose, and it doesn't work well. You can wear yourself out that way. But if you'll get in the flow of the anointing, 
and pray in that flow, then actually the Spirit will come alongside and just carry you along. It's like the difference in swimming upstream or just getting on a raft and floating downstream. Have you ever been in prayer and it was like it was a struggle? You knew what you wanted. You knew maybe even what was best and what was right. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit just was not connecting like you wanted. And there are many reasons why. We'll get into some of that as we continue to teach this over the next few Wednesdays. But, uh, but we need to understand that the best prayer is when we're praying in the Spirit. We're either praying in tongues or we're praying under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And there are times, you know that, that you're just more anointed to pray than others. You know, there are times when we're more anointed to sing. There are times when, when the music is more anointed than at other times. There are times when the classes and ministries outside the sanctuary here that are going on, there are times when things seem to be firing on all cylinders, as we say. And then there are other times when there's a struggle and it's a little more work. Now, it doesn't mean we're not getting anything done. It just means it's more difficult. I'm always um, looking for the, for the way to pray uh, and, let, and get connected with the Holy Spirit. I want to pray His way. I want to pray what He wants. Which brings us to this term, prayer assignments. Everybody say Assignments. There are prayer assignments that God brings, and those are the things that, though we may pray about other things as well, and that's fine, but there are some times in life whenever that the Holy Spirit will lead us in a certain assignment, and there might be a space of time, and it might be a good long while, that we just continue to pray and pour over certain aspects of, of, of a request or a situation, and sometimes these things are about current events in the earth, or they're about things that, uh, that need to be brought into the earth because we can pray things uh, into our lives. We can pray some things need to be prayed out of our lives. We can pray ourselves into places. If you really want to enjoy your walk with God, pray yourself into the place where he wants you to be. Not just the church where he wants you to be, but the, the, the function within the body of Christ that he wants you to be in. That's the place of greatest blessing. That's the place of greatest blessing. doesn't mean that you won't have other things that you do, that you won't have a job or business or whatever. But, but make sure you take care of God's assignment on your life first and foremost. So prayer assignments are, are about current things, and they're sometimes time-sensitive. Sometimes it's time-sensitive, kingdom business, that God is needing an earthly partner to help facilitate. And I want to say that again, uh, because, you know, I was in church for years. I never heard a statement like that. I didn't realize that God, in His sovereignty, the sovereign God, had determined that he would use man and include man in the accomplishment of his purposes on the earth. I guess, in a way, I knew we were called to preach the gospel to every creature and so on and so forth. But I, I just didn't think that through that, that, that much, that God really needed a voice in the earth. God needed people to pray. And at certain times, it's just essential to pray right then. So there are current events and sometimes time-sensitive kingdom business that God needs an earthly partner to help facilitate. And that's what we're going to look at 
hopefully next time when we gather. And we're going to particularly look at the life of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, if you want to get a little head start on next time, uh, when Daniel picked up an assignment that he got through the Word of God. And of course, he was being uh, prompted, of course, by the Holy Spirit. And let me say this while they're coming and we're getting ready to close down for the evening. A servant doesn't choose his own assignment. A ser- and, and, and we're servants of God. We know we're sons and daughters of God, but we know we also have chosen to become bond servants. We have bound ourselves to God for the rest of our lives. As long as we're on the earth, we are his servants. Would you agree? If, if you can't say amen to that, then you need to commit to God. But something about a servant we need to know is that servants don't choose their assignments. Their assignments are given to them by the master. Even in the natural world, we know that if somebody's hired, they're hired to do a job with a description. Nobody goes to work anywhere and they say, well, we're going to pay you X number of dollars per hour or X number of dollars per month uh, for a job and we don't really know what we want you to do. And there is no description. There's no responsibility. It's just a job. How many of you know that's not reality? That's not how the world works. Well, we are servants of the Most High God. He's in charge. And it is His will that we are responsible to carry out. Not my will, but thine be done. When the disciples in Mark, uh, Luke 11 asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he immediately taught them what we call sometimes the Lord's Prayer. And part of that prayer was, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is not about me getting my way. This is about God using me to get his way. And in that process, I am blessed beyond anything that I could imagine. And prayer is one of the major avenues through which God gets this done. I am going to read verse 19 because I said I was going to and I don't want to lie to you. I just need to read the verse. Paul said, and for me. This is a good place to quit because it it reminds us of something very important. Probably there's been no greater minister of the gospel other than Jesus himself than the Apostle Paul. The greatest example of a minister and of a believer that we've ever known in all the church age in 2,000 years. I mean, just think about it. I am up here 2,000 years after he wrote the book of Ephesians, preaching from the book of Ephesians. Most people would be happy if their grandchildren could remember a few things they said. Here's a man that 2,000 years later, we are quoting what he wrote. There was much opposition in his life. You know, he had, a, he had 13 books of the New Testament in his spirit that came through his spirit. I don't know that he knew all that from the beginning, but Satan knew that this is a dangerous man. And so one of the things that he determined was that he was going to be a man of prayer, but in this verse, he wants the people he ministered to, to pray for him. He says, and for me. Paul says, pray for me. Well, if he needed prayer, I sure do. How do you pray for a preacher? Well, some of you maybe have prayed at times that they would close out and go home. 
But that's not what Paul said. He said, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me. In other words, that I'll have something to say. Most of you are thinking, Lord, I don't need to pray for the preacher to have something else to say. No, but he said that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So you see, revelation comes in various ways, but one of the major ways it comes is through anointed ministers of the gospel who preach and teach the word. And when you can sit in a service and you can learn revelation truth from the word of God that has the potential to change your life, and you can learn it in a matter of minutes, something that maybe whoever's speaking may not, may not have seen until years of study and seeking God, can you see what a great blessing it is? That the preacher has some utterance. That he has something to say from God. Something that the Holy Ghost is saying to the church right now. Not his opinion, not his feelings, but or her, but the word from the Lord. What is it? What is it for today? That's so important. Amen. All kinds of prayer. All kinds of prayer. So we're going to get into this even more. We've got a lot of ground to cover, but uh, it's, it's good ground. And I think we're going to enjoy it and be better off as, as we hear it and receive it. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying tonight for every person who's hearing this or those who will hear it by recording later on. Give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our understanding. Help us to see and to hear what you're giving to us. And Lord, if there's any of this that might have seemed confusing or hard to understand, I believe, Lord, that you're going to open it up to us as we continue to meditate the word. Maybe as we go back and hear it again, it's going to be made clear. And we're going to see and hear all that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We're going to sing a chorus and then come